0: Just hang on, brother. Just hang on. Well, praise the Lord. It's great to be back, isn't it? I tell you, I appreciate so much you praying for my wife and I. And uh, this is her birthday. Happy birthday over there to my beautiful wife. Uh, I wanted to announce that because it's cost me quite a bit of money, so I want to get every. Every bit of it out I can, amen? (laughs) I mean, all right, Ezra chapter 2 is where we're at today. Ezra chapter 2, right before the book of Nehemiah. It's in the white part of the Bible that you've probably never even turned to, especially chapter 2. You've never turned to that, I'm sure. Uh, But we'll be looking there this morning, can any good thing come out of Ezra chapter 2? And I'm hoping and praying that God speaks to our hearts this morning. Before we get started, though, I want to welcome you and also those who are uh, listening by live stream. And I want to ask you to do me a favor. Uh, I I really, the the hub of this church is what we call the church office. And we have a couple of ladies in there, Kay and and Gloria. Uh, Kay is our administrative assistant. She's one of the best that I've ever worked with in my entire life. These are crazy days that we're living in. I have people tell me, well, preacher, I was out of church for two weeks and nobody called me. Well, <clears throat> would you call us? Would you call the church office and say, look, I need prayer. I got, I got, the, I stumped my toe. I don't care what it is. I'd rather know that something's going on. Uh, These are days we need to stay connected. And it's impossible for us to call every one of you, but you can call us. Uh, And so I just encourage you in these next days ahead, uh, let's stay communicating together. Let's stay connected together. Uh, We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Here, there, or in the air, we're going to get through it one place or the other. I guarantee you. Ezra chapter 2, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all sufficient word. The Bible says, Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those which had been carried away whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried unto Babylon and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah and every one unto his city which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Saraiah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigveni, Rahum Banah the number of men of the people of Israel. Now, you'll be happy to know that I'm not going to read the next 30 verses <laughs> of these names. It wouldn't make you any difference one way or the other. But in verses 3 through 35, the people are numbered based on families. And in verse 36, the priests are numbered. In verse 40, the Levites. In verse 41, the singers. Verse 42 through 54 the families of the temple servants and then you get down to verse 62 and the bible says this These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy But they were not found Therefore were they as polluted put from the priesthood I remind us again as we're looking in Ezra That God is more interested in building people than he is in building buildings People build buildings, but God uses buildings to build people. And that's what we're going to be seeing all throughout here. Pray with me. Father, thank you this morning. How beautiful is the bride of Christ. Lord, how wonderful you are to us. All powerful. Lord, I pray this morning that, uh, Lord, we would be willing to bring everything we've got. Leave it at this altar. Any problems we've got, trials we're going through persecutions. Lord, would you just show us today, keep our minds motivated upon you and looking to you, the author and the finisher of our salvation. Lord, we love you and we praise you and ask you, Lord, to do a wonderful work in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Brother Aaron so graciously pointed out that we can leave our all at this altar here We are persuaded. The problem we have is uh, that uh, uh, Romans says that I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. And the problem with a living sacrifice is it's hard to keep that dude on the altar. If it's a dead sacrifice, you can just slap it up there and it'll stay there. It'll barbecue. But a living sacrifice, every time something comes a little heated, it wants to move and it wants to get off the altar. But today, thank God, we have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know whom we have believed that he's able to keep us against that day. Now, as we look at uh, genealogy here, uh, you think, what in the world is a chapter like Ezra chapter 2? What good is that? Because I want to tell you, probably... The real truth is, those of you who claim you've read the Bible through, you know, 30 times, you probably skipped chapter 2. The truth be known. I mean, we just be honest about it. The truth be known, you probably skipped it. But genealogy is important for several reasons. Number one, genealogy attests to the inspiration of the Scriptures. It gives the authenticity of the Word of God. When you, you see, when you begin to name people's names, and you begin to name uh, places, and you name numbers and all, you see, uh, you can go back and fact check that stuff. And so if I was gonna write a book and it was about a half shady book, like most of them are today, you want as few details in it as you can get. I mean, you know, Proverbs chapter 30 says this, every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Let me tell you, the word of God is plenty able to take any kind of inspection you want to give to it. So we got to be careful. I mean, if you're not careful, whoo, you can create a story that you're running around on an airfield in a foreign country dodging bullets, Mm. only to realize that you wasn't even on that airfield. If you're not careful, you can create a story that you were in the Capitol hiding under a desk fearing for your life. And bless God, you wasn't even in the building. See these facts. These facts are important now because these facts attest to the authenticity of the Word of God. I was in a revival Tuesday night up at Queen City, and uh, and you've heard it here when they come. These preachers come, they'll say, "Dr. Hunt, listen, I'm not even a nurse." I, I you know, I, I hear, and he said, "Dr. Hunt, would you come?" and, and uh, you know. Now, I've got some doctorate degrees. I've got about three of them from foreign countries. Them and 50 cents to buy you a cup of coffee at McDonald's in <laughs> Happy Hour. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, my doctorate, my education, I have a full doctorate paid for. The church that I was at before paid my entire bill for me to get my doctorate degree. And when I came to Longview, I, I diddled with a little bit about it, you know, here. and, and uh, But... I want to tell you, I, I just had to ask myself the question, wh- what's the most important thing for the kingdom of God? Did I get a doctorate degree or did I pull full force and throw everything I got into ministry? And now I, I love doctorate degrees. I, I, you know, I, I just felt like that God said, you're a country boy. You ain't never going to be dignified and educated. You just need to put your hand to the plow and, and do the ministry of the kingdom of God. And so I, I've, I've done that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But at the same time, uh, I, 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 I get tired of trying to explain to people. See, what the deal is, all these preachers think that if you're in a church like this, you've got to have a doctorate to have one. They, they, they ain't none of them ever got a hold of the Holy Ghost, I guess. you know. They, well, i just tell you right now, uh, you get the spirit anointed of God or you get the, uh, the doctorate degree. I'll take the anointing every time every time so this it it gives us the authenticity uh, of the inspiration of the scripture when you go through these genealogy names here but it also speaks of god's special care there are more than 120 families listed here in these scriptures here and uh, what they're saying is redemption is real That's what these scriptures are saying. It really took place. They got names here. They can prove it. And it really took place. It was at a real time because a real people who really existed, really sinned and really offended a real God and they needed a real Savior to step out of a real heaven and walk on a real earth and really live a sinless life and die a real death on a real cross and really be placed in a real grave and really raise again on the third day. That's a, a testation of that. When you look at these genealogies, he's not just moving through Israel. He's moving through the individual tribes. He's moving through every individual family, and he's moving through every individual heart. Listen, God doesn't want to just do a work at Woodland Hills Baptist Church. God wants to do a work in your home. God wants to do a work in your marriage. God wants to do a work with your children and your neighbors and your co-workers and your classmates and your friends. God has a plan for this church, but folks, God's got a plan for your life individually. And then genealogy is important because it carries on the messianic line of Jesus. The Old Testament, they were preparing for the coming Messiah. And God surely did not want anyone to think that because Israel was in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, that the messianic line of Jesus was gonna be snuffed out. Yeah, they were in captivity 70 years, but God was always working during those 70 years. And the messianic line of Jesus continues on. It was a promised Messiah, the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the stem of, uh, and root of David and Jesse. And see, you, you can prove that the line was never snuffed out because these names are individuals to prove that. And then genealogy is good because it's a testimony of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, I don't care what book you get into or what page you come, you'll find the scarlet thread woven through this book right here. The blood of Jesus you can find on every page. And so genealogy is important. And I would encourage you in these days ahead as we look through Ezra. You say, it's the Old Testament. Well, you're going to find Jesus in all sorts of ways. Now, let's just kind of get, look here at chapter 2 and we'll be through here. I want you to note that God is faithful to his people. He's faithful to his people. God has a chosen people. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of the peoples who are on the face of the earth. He goes on to tell them there that it's not because they're special or anything, but it's the grace of God and the sovereignty of God who has promised their forefathers. And then he says this. He goes on to say in Deuteronomy 7, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and His loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love Him and keep His commandments, but repays those who hate Him To their faces to destroy them. Now, that's an understanding here uh, that we need to understand in order to understand what really the foundation of Ezra chapter 2 is. Ancestry was essential to being a Jew, and being a Jew was essential to being a part of the nation of of God. Now, uh, by the time we get to the New Testament, uh, they had carried it to the Terrible degree. They'd taken their ancestry too far. It was just because uh, I'm a Jew, so that means I'm all right. Don't worry about me. Same thing happens today. My daddy was a preacher, my grandfather was a preacher, so I'm all right. No, you can't get in on anybody else's coattail. John the Baptist came saying therefore bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves we have Abraham for our father for I say to you that from these stones God's able to raise up children of Abraham. So John the Baptist came. And then Jesus in John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, I know you were born a Jew. Hallelujah, that's wonderful. But I want to tell you, it's more important that you've been born again spiritually than you were ever born a Jew physically. We need to understand that this morning. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 4. Those who have the faith of Abraham, who are his true children. Evidence that God's chosen people It's not physical birth, it's the new birth in Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, he said in Revelation 20, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. This registry of the Jewish ancestry was a type of registry that mattered to the Lamb's book of life. Now, we don't have time this morning, but Wednesday night we'll be talking about uh, the books. Uh, uh, A lot of people are confused. Uh, There is a book of life. And everybody who's ever lived has been in that book. Uh, But there's a Lamb's book of life. In the book of life, I don't have time this morning, but you come back Wednesday night, uh, we'll break it down. In the book of life, you can be blotted out. But you get your name in the Lamb's book of life. You there, brother. John 10, ain't nothing can take you out of there. You're in there. You're in there. So, ancestry and these uh, listings here are important to prove all of that. And then God is faithful to discipline his chosen people. I changed this. I'm not going to read it out of the King James. If you have a King James, you can read it. But I'm trying to be dignified this morning. Hebrews 12, 8 says this. If you are without discipline of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate children and not sons of God. Now, that's what the Word of God says. You, you see, in other words, if you claim to be a Christian and you can live in deliberate disobedience to God, first thing you better do, check your salvation. Because just saying I'm a Christian, don't cut it. That don't buy it. it it's got to be more than that. Now, this is in... in, in mm, uh, Mm. Wake your neighbor up and say, look, this is going to be good. Listen to him. We are not disciplined to make us pay for our sins. Christ died for our sins. Our sins have already been paid for. We're disciplined to try to restore us into the fellowship of God. Same thing happens in the church. Now, we don't do it much anymore. Uh, The the old churches used to do it all the time. They would throw them out of church. Somebody get caught at the beer joint, they'd throw them out of church. Next month, they'd come back, repent, they'd let them come back in. You know, discipline, church discipline, and discipline from God has never been to get rid of us, it's been to bring us to our senses so that we could turn around and be reconciled with God. That's what discipline is. And I'm going to tell you something. You may not like it, but you can just sit on it and lump it or whatever. But if you love your children, you need to discipline your children. Because you'll either be disciplined now while they're young or else somebody's going to be disciplined in the penitentiary later on in life. I'm just talking what, what the Word of God says. Well, then God is faithful to restore his chosen people in his time. When the 70 years were up, God restores them, and they're going back uh, to Jerusalem. They're going back to Israel. This is a detailed record of God's faithfulness to his covenant people. Uh, He knows how long those people need to be under the rod of discipline. Now, when God forgives our sin and restores us spiritually, many times... Most of the time, he does not remove the consequences. Hmm? Sometimes he does; he can, but most of the time, if you've uh, sinned and and divorce is a a, a product of it, there uh, usually you can get forgiveness of that. But usually, God doesn't remove the consequences of it. There are still consequences that we've got to live. Through life. And th- I noticed something that's maybe awkward to me. I, it would just seem like, whoa, wait a minute. I got to think on this just a minute. But the people that are going back to Israel now, going back to build the temple, going back to build Jerusalem, going back to build the walls, they're the grandchildren or the children of the ones who committed the sin to get them carried away into Babylonian captivity. In other words, these kids can say, well, it's not my fault. It may not be your fault, but it is what it is. And they're going to go back. Now, why would they want to go back? Well, I think one reason they want to go back is because they can't sing the songs of Zion living in captivity in Babylon. I hear people every week tell me, preacher, thank you for doing live stream." But I want to tell you, it's nothing like the real thing. I can't wait till I can get back home at church. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Yeah, they're worshiping the Lord over there sometimes and they're, they're having okay, but it ain't nothing like getting home and having a, having a service with the Lord in the temple at Jerusalem there. Hmm. The second thing I notice here is that we should live faithfully to his covenant you see living faithfully to god's covenant would imply continuity on our part faithfulness on our part they were now to carry on god's purposes and then they were to hand off to their children and to their grandchildren see they're they're going to rebuild the temple they're going to rebuild jerusalem they're going to rebuild the walls and and they're going to they're going to make it a better place for their children Listen, does that not bother you that sometimes we've thrown away everything in the world that seems to be sensible in this country today? Our, most of our children don't even know what it's like as far as ancestors go. M- you know, mm, but maybe, maybe, you're, uh, maybe your family's different from mine. <laughs> but boy, I remember growing up, the family reunions, I remember everybody making homemade food and everything. I remember mama buying these things, had about like five different pans in them. And it had a thing, a top on top of it. And we would, she'd fix something and we'd go off to the family reunion. And then well, you know, that's so much trouble. Let's just order chicken. And then after they die, you know, that's so much trouble. Why don't we just not have one this year. And I, I, you know, I I got first cousins could walk in the door back there and I wouldn't even know who they are. Genealogy was important to these people. It's probably not nearly as important to us today. There needs to be a continuity. Uh, uh, There's value in preserving our family's lives through committed relationships, and especially, and I, and, you know, hmm, I don't want to get on, harp on here too much because, you know, quilts and dishes, I've got a garage full of stuff from my mother and my aunt. And they said, what are we going to do with that? I, I don't know what we're going to do with it, but I, by, I, I'm going to hold, hold on to it, you know, because I I, I I want it, you know, Uh and then living faithfully to God's covenant implies community. Uh, these Jews didn't turn and go back to Jerusalem as individuals; they went back as a family together, as a, as a as a family of God. You see, we're individuals as as, as Americans. I, I guarantee you, most of y'all just mean as a snake. I mean somebody ready to pass you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to speed up. Huh? How many times have you got ready to pass somebody? They've been doing 50 miles an hour in a 75 miles zone, and you're ready to pass them and you've got a clear opening there and you're getting around and they're doing 75, 80 miles an hour by the time you get even with them. There. See, that's individualistic. That, that, that's competitive. And we're talking about not being competitive here. We're talking about being community here. We're talking about being part of the family of God. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoices. And a lot of times we read the word of God in individualistic terms, but literally when, when in Ephesians and Colossians, when he's talking about the new man, we're talking about individuals, but the word of God's talking about the whole family. It's a family, community together. And then living faithfully to God's covenant implies commitment. There are three areas here that's evident on their commitment. The first one is a commitment to worship. This whole chapter, if you look at and diagnose it, it centers around the return of the priests and the Levites and the singers and the doorkeepers of the temple. That's how the church was organized. That's how Israel was organized. It's centered around worship. Is your life centered around worship? I mean, is that what you really enjoy in your life? That's what you're thrilled about? That's what you, you desire more than anything else? You see, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4 that every member has been given a spiritual gift. We need to worship, and then we need to use that gift for the glory of God. When we're using the spiritual gift, there are enough people in this place right here that we can change East Texas. If we used our spiritual gifts, if we used our spiritual gifts, we did what God called us to do, we could change our entire area there. Every member has been given a spiritual gift, so there's got to be a commitment to worship. And incidentally, I I will just bring it out because it's here. Uh, A lot of people today have uh, thrown out qualifications I hear this all the time. Uh, uh, a preacher, you know, used to be that a uh, preacher couldn't be divorced. And, and I, hey, I'm, I'm not knocking divorce. Now, just listen to me. I'm not saying that you can't get forgiveness for divorce. But I'm saying, according to the Word of God, that disqualifies you from being ordained. Now, everybody don't agree with that. There'll be, I'll get people calling this week. They don't agree with that. But according to what the Word of God says here, those that could not confirm their ancestry here were considered unclean and they were prevented from serving in the holiness of proper worship in the temple. They didn't qualify. It's one thing to be forgiven of your sin. It's something else to be an office that's qualified. And offices that are qualified are deacons and pastors. There's a qualification list for that. You say, well, I think in the day that we live, I don't care what day it is. We're talking about the word of God that's forever settled in heaven. I I don't like some of it. Man, this part in here about loving your neighbor, I got some, mm. no, I've got good neighbors. I'm joking. I I mean, there, there are things in here that I don't like, but I want to tell you, it's still the word of God. And if you want to live a life that will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to live by this book here. Not by what you feel. Not by what you want. There's a commitment to worship. There's a commitment to service. (laughs) Woo, hang on, Baptist. There's a commitment to giving. Well, the first thing these people did upon returning was to go to the place where the house of the Lord had been and they offered their gifts willingly. Willingly, underline that word willingly. Now, the record of the animals tells us some of these people here were pretty good. I mean, they're pretty well off. in uh, that, that horse, 736 horses there, that's like the Cadillac of the day. And more of them, 6,720 of them had donkeys. And, but there were 50,000 of them there that didn't have any animals. You see, it's never been about equal giving in the kingdom of God. It's about equal sacrifice. And it's not been about trying to manipulate somebody or trying to, let let me tell you, you need to get before God and what God says you to do, you do. And if God don't tell you to do nothing, don't do nothing. But these people said, we're gonna not only commit to worship, we're not only gonna commit to serve the Lord, but we're gonna commit to giving. They gave according to their ability which implies to me that the wealthy people gave more and the poor people gave less. Say amen if you want to. I'm just telling you, that's what it implies to me. That's exactly what Paul said. He said, put aside on the first day of the week and give as the Lord has prospered. Hmm. Well, let me get off of that. We'll close. Are you one of the chosen ones? You say, well, how do I know if I'm one of the chosen ones? Well, a pretty simple answer is, have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and is there any evidence of that in your life? See, if there's no evidence of it, I'd be a little more concerned about it. The most important decision you'll make tonight, today, is to come to Jesus Christ and let him have control of your heart and life and everything you've got. That's the first question. The second question is is, are you experiencing and submitting to God's faithful discipline in your life? Is every time God telling you to do something, you want to argue with him all night long? Hmm? And then you want to read somebody's book that tells you why you shouldn't do it, but you already know the Word of God says you ought to. Are you submitting to God or are you submitting to the world? And then thirdly, Are you seeking to live faithfully to his covenant? Are you being faithful to the kingdom of God? It was New Year's Day in 1929. Georgia Tech played University of California. I use this illustration because this supposedly, somebody told me they were having a football game tonight. I'm not sure. (laughs) We don't don't watch that mess anymore. Uh, Just the scores. Uh, (laughs) Georgia Tech was playing University of California in the Rose Bowl in 1929 and a young man by the name of Royal Regals recovered a fumble for California he was so thrilled He, he lost his direction though and he was headed the wrong goal post he ran 65 yards just before he could score, one of his own men tackled him and, and knocked him down. And uh, man, it was that was in the first half. It was it was bad. It was bad. They went into the locker room, and you know usually the coaches has got a good word of inspiration and some powerful things to say. The coach didn't say a word. Regal sat over there with his head in his hands and. Everybody just kind of looking and gawking, and it was just awkward. The guy came in and said, three minutes until we start the second half. The coach stood up, and he said, everybody that started the game will start the second half. And everybody went out except Regals. He sat over there. He's, the coach said, did you hear what I said? And he said, Nothing. And the coach went over there and said, Regals, did you hear what I said? He said, I can't go back out there. I made a fool out of me. I made a fool out of you. I made a fool out of our university. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. The coach put his hand on his shoulder and said, son, you get up and you go back out there. This is only the first half. There's another half to play. I want to tell you, I don't know what you came in here dragging with you in a chain this morning. You're depressed, despondent, frustrated, angry, aggravated. Let me tell you, it ain't over yet. I don't know that you can ever go back and correct anything you've brought in here with you today. But I'll tell you, on good authority, I can tell you right now that if you'll Submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. He'll start a new day with you right now today. And this second half can be a lot better than the first half if you'll come to him. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to just hear your word. (laughs) Lord, how precious you are. How beautiful, how powerful, how awesome. I pray right now Lord, I know the devil's doing everything he can to distract people. Wanting them to say, oh, you got plenty of time, don't get in in a hurry. But I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be bouncing through this worship center. And that, Lord, your, your hand would be upon people. And that, God, you would put such a burden in their hearts. That they've got to get up. They've got to come. They've got to kneel at this altar. They've got to come and be saved. They may need to move their membership. Lord, whatever needs to happen. Lord, would you have your will in every life in this place? Lord, I know this is some horrific times. Remind us again, Lord, that we're winners in the end. Help us to faithfully submit to you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us in music.